Welcome into the 11 Dubcast, presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am merely Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other end. You know, we're just across town this time. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in downtown Columbus today. I did the television oh, nice. show down here. I had some business down here, so I stayed down here. Um, I will give, you know, we don't like doing this a ton, but I will give an unsolicited um, review to the new Jeff Ruby joint that's okay. in downtown. This is unsolicited. I, you know, not that it matters who I am, but I went in there. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty baller. I got to tell you, that was a pretty baller establishment. So uh, they they do things right. You knew he would when he came up here, but this is such a crowded restaurant scene. Um, I didn't know how it would kind of fit into the to the landscape. But it, I mean, it's obviously it's a high end steakhouse, and um, if you're going to pay, if you're going to be charged those type of uh, of rates for food, then it, it better damn well be good. And it was. So I wanted yeah. to give them that because that was my dinner tonight. Have you had a chance to eat there yet? I have been to well, I've been to like a couple, like one of the places. I think is is that when did they open that up? I think last fall. Okay, I think I've yeah. been to that one. That's that's yeah. north of the city, right? No, 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 no. It's right. It's right in downtown Columbus. It's, oh uh, no, no, I haven't been to that one yet. Right across from the Hyatt. Yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't this, been to that. You obviously know who he is because you're from that area, so you'd right. I mean, you're familiar, obviously. But this is his first kind of you know other ohio venture he tried in cleveland and they have a they had an incredible location that they went to war over and, and it wasn't able to to work out um mm-hmm. so instead they came to this place in columbus it's right across from the hyatt and it's great um yeah. and from after this mention he should give us uh, a free steak the next time we go in there <laughs> i mean i take that it. columbus yeah. has yeah. a really nice uh restaurant scene there's we went to barcelona actually with my my wife well, and your sister and it's that that place is legit it's really barcelona really is a is a mount rushmore columbus establishment yeah i mean it's, it's awesome an all-timer you're never gonna g michaels is like that um m is like that the refectory is like that i mean there's some establishment joints here that are that would hold up with anywhere and and that's why i was surpri- i was curious how this jeff ruby joint would work I mean, his reputation is great, but you just wondered, like, it's so crowded here from mm-hmm. a restaurant standpoint. I just, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, they're they're eight months into it. But in terms of what you walk into when you go in there, it holds. It, it, it'll it hold up with any place uh, that you've been in any city that you've been. Um, speaking of holding up, the the Ohio State basketball, we haven't seen him in two weeks. So, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they've been doing. They may be chilling. Yeah. Uh, we'll have Scooney Penn on here shortly, and and he will join us from Idaho, and he'll give us a little better feel about how they handled this extended vacation. Um, but last we saw them, they were one and done in the in the Big Ten tournament on a Friday in Manhattan against Penn State. Uh, since that point, we've had the conference tournaments for all the other conferences of note, and we've had Selection Sunday, which was not great. Be, I don't know why you try to look sometimes in life the reason that it's good is because it just stays the damn same right <laughs> the whole point i mean the idea johnny they took the suspense out of it with this alphabetical listing I I, well they did that it should have been random at best i mean why would you do an alphabetical listing of every team that's in i mean so you knew right away that it, that you weren't in if you didn't come in alphabetically yeah it, it took away Start all the drama there. It yeah. took away all the drama and everyone's sitting there and the sound is out of sync. So they have to just show the That's image brutal. of the names of the teams for like, you know, 30 seconds while they read it off and do banter about it. That was dumb. I don't know why they did it that way. It was silly. They they just, just announced the damn brackets. Like, that's why we're there. Let's just yeah. figure it out and they can analyze it all they want for an hour and a half afterwards. Just show the damn brackets and move yeah. on with their lives. 
Yeah, this isn't hard. I mean, CBS did it, usually did an hour show on this. If TBS wanted to stretch it into two hours, you could have with breakdown. Um, but this this has to be a bracket reveal. I mean, that's what you yeah. want to see. You want yeah. to see, are you in? Who do you play? Um, Ohio State was in. We knew they would be. A five seed out west again. So the second consecutive time. Now, it hasn't been since 2015, but for the second consecutive time, the Buckeyes shipped west. That time it was Portland, Oregon. This time it is Boise, Idaho, which is a wonderful town um, near sort of near. And when I say near, I mean within eight hours of where I grew up. Um, it is uh, it's a great town. It, it's a strange location to play in. They will be playing South Dakota State, which is a 12 seed. Um, there is a conventional wisdom. I know Doug LaMaurice tweeted out, hey, I was thinking maybe this would be a home a home court advantage for South Dakota State. And then he realized it's 1300 miles from South Dakota State to Boise versus 2,000 miles, which gives you an idea of how big the West is. The West is vast, folks. Um, So there will be no home court advantage, at least not in game one. There could be in game two if it is Ohio State and Gonzaga, provided Ohio State gets there. Johnny, I thought the seating was appropriate. Um, I thought the location was probably the worst that it could be for Ohio State in that that is one of the only regions in the country that I would think there would be very little Ohio State fans. And I know oh. the barking back would be that Ohio State fans are everywhere. Uh-huh. That's near where I grew up, and Ohio State was not on the radar um, where, when I grew up, where I grew up. I mean, there were no – I don't remember a single friend of mine. And where I grew up, Montana, Idaho, you kind of just you know hop onto teams that are good. Sure. Um, I don't remember a single Buckeye fan growing up. Um, it okay. was a – I really don't remember any. And and even when I went to Portland, there were I remember when Ohio State played in Portland, it was pretty it wasn't much. So if they get to Gonzaga in round two, it's going to be a, I would think it would be a Gonzaga home crowd. And that's probably the only venue that, that where that would be the case. Right. And I want to I want to agree with you on that. And what's interesting, though, is we were talking, you know, we were talking about this amongst ourselves at Lone Warriors about, you know, the ramifications of the the, the seating and the spot and where all this is going down. And James looked it up, and I guess there is an Ohio State bar in Boise. Uh, it's a it's a Beef O'Brady's. They they <laughs> do course. stuff at a Beef O'Brady's. And a couple of things about that. First of all, I am really surprised that there's an Ohio State group in Boise. Secondly, though, I didn't know that Beef O'Brady's was a restaurant. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know it was out west. It's huge in the south, but I didn't know it was out west. I thought it was something with soup. I thought it was like a Campbell's thing where they make stew. <laughs> and so... I was I was surprised by that. So that was also information that I learned. Uh, now I know what Beef O'Brady's is, but you know I I think just because you have such a large alumni base, there's got to be some guys places. I remember I went to Hawaii and I was seeing you know Ohio State like you know truck covers and stuff like that all over the place. So um, I guess I shouldn't be so shocked. But yeah, th- th- it's weird. I mean, I, who knows what the makeup of the crowd's going to be, especially when they play because you know it's. It's going to be what, like a Thursday at four. I mean, yeah, it, the, the crowd time. is going to be whatever's going to be there for the other games. Uh, I'm I'm always nervous about a 12-5 matchup, and we'll we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about some of the players on the team, um, and and how it works out. But you know, top to bottom, Ohio State's obviously a more talented team, but you just hate the idea that you've got this super talented one guy who is capable of popping off for 35 or 40 points um, that you just ha- you know you have to stop or at least slow down. And that's that's I don't know. That always makes me nervous when I see a, a matchup like that. So this will be interesting. 
You're referring to Mike Down, the yes. South Dakota State forward, who is – I heard Chris Holtman on his radio show said the coach compared him to Larry Bird, and I laughed. And I said, okay, yeah, because he's white, I'm sure. You know, great, okay. <laughs> but then I watched him shoot, and he's kind of got that Larry Bird two-handed release. Right. A really high two-handed release. He is not Larry Bird. He is <laughs> no, he's, he's, no, he's a big white kid who plays for San Diego State – or South Dakota State. And he's nice, and he's a big scorer, um, and he's the the fulcrum with which everything operates for them. But the he is the he's the start of what to slow. But they really they score it. They're top ten in the country. They score, and mm-hmm. um, and I that is a tough spot for Ohio State. And and certainly if they are lucky enough to get by, then that's a really tough spot against Gonzaga as well. I would think both South Dakota State and certainly Gonzaga would be the antidote to what Ohio State does well. Um, I would think that Ohio State would start with Bates D up on down and and roll the he certainly Kata can hold with him. I mean, there's no not gonna be any question about that. But you know, he's a big guy too. He's got a lot of girth to him, so he could bang up Kata. And I don't know how much you want to, you know, subject him to that. Um, but it's a tricky matchup. Um, it's five five twelve as you as you mentioned. It's tricky in every way. And it's uh, it's in a it's in a relatively tough location, you know, for Ohio State. So that's you know, Ohio State was done no favors, but they don't deserve any favors. They're a five seed. This is what happens. <laughs> I mean, Kentucky's out there. Arizona's out there. So yeah, you know, yeah. they're they're not the only ones who got sent a long way from home. Um, I would think for Ohio State to advance through the first weekend, um, if they're and I think getting out of San Diego State is. That's its own set of problems. I've heard a lot of experts pick San Diego State to beat Ohio State. It's a trendy 12-5. Um, I think the three words that come to mind for Ohio State, if they are to advance through the first weekend, and, and I think it's going to be really t- long odds to get through Gonzaga, is defense, defense, defense. I mean, they are going they have to play at such an elite level defensively to get through this weekend. Um, cause I don't think they can outscore maybe certainly not Gonzaga. And I don't think they can, I'm not sure that they can outscore San Diego state. So I, I think it's going to be, can Ohio state determine what type of basketball that's going to be played? Can they control the tempo and can they defend at an elite level? I think that's the roadmap, if you will, to a Buckeye victory. So, so here's the thing about, I think all of this, I mean, a lot of it is about matchups. I think South Dakota is going to have to, well, actually we, we got corrected on this. I saw this on, um, I saw this on Twitter is that they are very particular about South Dakota state. They do not want to refer to as South Dakota. That is, that is anathema to them. They don't want that. So South Dakota state, we owe them um, that. I mean, be like calling Ohio state, Ohio, who would ever do that? I I would not disrespect the team that way. That would be, (laughs) that would be a horrible thing for me to do. I will not do that. Um, South Dakota state, you know, I think one of the interesting things about that is how they're going to try to match up um in terms of their scoring because you could maybe roll like you know wesson over there and 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 try to help out with that on the interior or you may just say screw it and we're gonna let him get his points you know put kato whoever needs to be on there and then try to you know prevent everyone else from racking it up because that's that's really what worries me is the ohio state trying to get into a shootout and i you know you're right the defense aspect of it is so important because i don't necessarily trust ohio state's offense as much as i would trust South Dakota State and some of the, you know, and Gonzaga and some of those other guys just do what they normally do, which is just, you know, fill up the basket. So yeah, I think defense, I think you're dead on about that. I mean, that that is going to be a big, big deal for them to lock down. And what's what's ridiculous to me and what's kind of funny, I guess, is that, uh, you know, this is 
maybe call Thad Mata up, see how he ends up, you know, defending teams, because that was always kind of his forte, in my opinion. That was something he was really good at it, at holding teams down a little bit uh, that were high scores. So um, I don't know. It, it'll be a cool matchup. It's, you know, again, Thursday at four. It's going to be kind of hard to, to, you know, watch it and take a look at it. But, you know, for those at work, I guess, or people who got other stuff to do, but it, it, I think it'll be worth checking out, especially since Ohio State hasn't been there and, you know, since 2015 so how great yeah like i would absolutely wear a south dakota state jackrabbits t-shirt oh hell yeah i mean it's, i mean it's that great. is an they're blue and yellow like a, a royal blue and i mean this is a it's a hell of an i mean there are no other this is uc santa cruz uh banana slugs i mean this right. is a great jackrabbits are you yeah. kidding me like this is a fantastic nickname yeah, we've talked about that. I, I love the I love the unique nicknames. I like the you know the mascots that you don't see everywhere. It's it's pretty sweet. I'm I'm a big fan of those guys. Yeah, I, I think that's great. So you know, the, I, I I thought we did the television show today, and and one of the things that was in the sound we ran was from Jay Sean Tate, where he said our goal was to get back to the tournament, and then Chris Holtman kind of echoed that. And I think a hard thing for Ohio State is when your whole goal is to get back to the tournament, then you accomplish that goal. Can you refocus on advancing the goal? and in turn, advancing yourselves. Ohio State has not played in two weeks. I think it's hurt some of the Big Ten teams, like Michigan, for sure. Michigan would have rather played last week. I don't think it hurts Ohio State, and the reason for that is because Kata Bates-Diop and Jay Sean Tate needed a break. Um, Those guys were playing 40 minutes a night for like three months in a row. And so I do think the week off could have helped Ohio State kind of rejuvenate themselves, get a little more bounce in in their step. I don't know if it'll be a critical uh, mistake for Ohio State like it might be for the other Big Ten teams, but I, I do think the two weeks off will help Ohio State. But this is almost like the start of a season again. I mean, this almost feels like, you know, at the beginning of the year when you played in that tournament in Portland or you play in the Maui Invitational or you play something like that, like it's this remote location and and you're, you've been, you haven't played in a while. And so Ohio State's going to have to kind of reconfigure the way they go about their business. Uh, I know they've done the simulated, you know, scrimmages and all these things to try to try to keep the momentum going. But at the same time, you can't simulate an actual game. I would not be shocked if Ohio State came out a little sluggish on on Thursday night. Oh, yeah. I mean, given the amount of time off, I think that's kind of inevitable. And and really, it's about being able to weather some runs. That's that's maybe that's the other thing that bothers me is because when you've looked at Ohio State, especially in the second half of the season, you see them start out slow and then they start to get their feet underneath them a little bit. They build momentum and then they kind of take care of business in the second half. But in the tournament, it just feels to me that it's a different atmosphere it's a different type of game and if you allow a team to put up you know 20 straight points on you to start a game yeah you're you're, you're not going to be able to recover from that nearly as easily i don't care if it's you know south dakota state i don't care if gonzaga i don't care if it's xavier you've got to be able to start off relatively quickly and keep pace and then when the excitement goes down and then talent kind of starts to emerge and you can take advantage of matchups and whatnot then maybe that stuff starts to become a little more clear and you can you know start to build up leads and whatnot but if you start slow, I think it's a lot harder to recover in any tournament, uh, especially one like this, uh, than it would be during the regular season. So that's something they got to look out for. They and, and not only that, but you've got to have guys that are hitting their shots early. Uh, you know, it's one thing to watch Kata get to 22 points through, you know, by hook or by crook and doing pretty much everything that he needs to do. He's got to have his jumper as, as soon as the game starts. Yeah, because you can't just start taking shots and try to find it, especially against high-scoring teams. 
Yeah, and especially that Gonzaga matchup, which is oh, I man. just hate it. I just hate the Gonzaga matchup. Um, let's you know, I was going to talk a little bit about the Big Ten teams and and their placing, but in, but I'm going to save that to the last block after Scooney because today the other big piece of Ohio State basketball news was the news that was reported. It's been reported that Thad Mata has been offered the Georgia job. Yeah, which um, this is now this would be the second southern job that he's been interested in if you believe the reporting and i i do um that that he was in oxford and looking at old miss about a week 10 days ago and and now georgia has offered him the job um this is if from a basketball standpoint this is a uh this would potentially be a weird fit for me him coaching at georgia uh hmm. georgia has no sustained not even really a blip of success in basketball, none. I mean, there, he would be writing the history book of success if he has it there. No one's had it. No one's had anything sustained for, for going back as far as I know. I mean, I just have never heard of Georgia doing anything in basketball. They had Dominique Wilkins in the early 80s. That's it. That's the list. I mean, they just don't have anybody. I mean, they don't really have a history. Yeah. I covered uh, – I, when I was in Tallahassee, we covered South Georgia, and so um, – with that, we covered the University of Georgia, and the basketball program is eighth fiddle. I mean, it's just way down the list of things that people give a damn there. Uh, doesn't mean that it can't become something cool, that it can't become something that he can't buck the traditions and become a success there if he is hired there. But it, this is a from a basketball specific standpoint, I am surprised, especially when you consider that when when I first got to Columbus, there was legitimate fear that Thad Mata would leave Ohio State for Kentucky. <laughs> like that he was going to go to Kentucky, right? So the idea right. that eight years later at age 50 and winning 74% of his games in his career, he's subjected to go to Georgia when, you know, eight years ago, Kentucky was knocking on the door and there was fear that he was going to leave for Kentucky or one of the other blue blood college programs. And Georgia is not that. So that's the basketball side of it. For me, personal side, it makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, it, his brother's down there. Athens is one of the great towns to live in i mean it is a kick-ass town the climate is fantastic um it, very similar to here that the basketball program although here there's a little more pressure to win obviously and as, as evidenced by his firing at georgia they've gone through a lot of coaches i think a modicum of success i mean i think the tournament half the time gets you're there for a very long time and it's a great place to live. And the other thing is from a recruiting standpoint and, and considering Thad's health, he's not going to have to travel too far to recruit. There's a ton of talent within a 250, 300 mile radius. And if he can just get some of those four star kids to come to Georgia, he'd have a chance. The last thing I'll say on this before I, uh, before I let you, before you give your thoughts is I, I think it's imperative. And we all know this, that he hires assistant coaches that have ties to that area mm. and are bulldogs in recruiting because that was the failure of him here uh, in the end. And so he's got to make sure he hires guys who are, who are familiar with that part of the country. If he's going to have any success, what, what are your thoughts on, on Thad Mata head coach university of Georgia, if it does come to fruition? Oh, I think on a personal level, I agree with everything you said on that because I think Athens is Thad Mata's kind of town. I mean, that that's a place that Thad Mata, the human being, I think would enjoy quite a bit for all kinds yeah. of reasons. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this because they fired, uh, you know, what Kevin Ollie up there in uh, UConn, Connecticut, and yeah. 
I was like, you know, Thad Mata is still out there. Like, you know, I don't know that Thad Mata wants that right now. I don't know that he wants to try to take on the pressure of a, you know, a big time program that's had success. It's won championships. I, I think his health plays a large factor into it. I think that's going to be a big deal for him because just know, just hearing all the stories about, you know, having to get help to take his shoes off after games and just crazy yeah. things like that. And the way the season wears down on him, I, I could imagine that he is okay with not having that kind of pressure and that kind of um, distress to try to maintain, you know, a, a program that people have these insane expectations for. And that's not to say anything about him as a coach or the fact that he doesn't want to work hard or anything like that, because I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I think the dude works his ass off, but I think it's more of a situation where you don't want to have to constantly be fighting administration while trying to do a job that is very difficult in the first place uh, and, and fighting your own body that is, you know, really not help doing you any favors. So I think George is a really good fit for him. I think he would enjoy it. And honestly, like, I want to see him happy. I want to see that dude be able yeah. to have some success at a place where he doesn't have that kind of stress, where he is allowed to recuperate a little bit. Um, and, you know, hopefully, I, look, he's still a great coach, and, and hopefully he can do some really good things down there. Because um, like I said, I think he would love Athens. Oh, you can't. I mean, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of, of the jobs that could be open, depending on what happens with the NCAA. And I think the NCAA is the only thing that prevented, if he does take Georgia, the only thing that prevented him from waiting this job, Louisville was the job to me that made right. a boatload of sense. But, they, you know, they got to wait out NCAA. And, you know, I don't know. He's not going to want to be in the middle of that again. He, he no. marshaled Ohio State out of that mess the last time. And, you know, I don't know if he wants to go through that again. Um, but just his his the proximity to talent in the region, which he knows the relationship he has with coaches. Um, and then his love of bourbon made me think that maybe Louisville would be a good <laughs> spot for him, but you can buy a lot of bourbon in Athens as well. And that is a, right. just a great town. I mean, plus, I mean, the beach communities there, sea Island, Georgia, um, you know, Savannah, um, Charleston, it's all so close. So, I mean, he would, I think from a lifestyle standpoint, Thad could really thrive. And I'm like you, I, I certainly hope that he does. All right, still to come, we'll go around the rest of the Big Ten brackets. Uh, but first, our good buddy, Scooney Penn, joins us from Boise, Idaho. How about that? <laughs> Boots on the ground in Boise, only at the Dubcast. Before we do that, though, we encourage you to visit 11 Warriors for dry goods. Uh, for sure, it's hats, stickers, and more. It's drygoods.11warriors.com. It is our pleasure now. We got boots in the ground. We've got a correspondent in Idaho. Uh, it just happens to be a Hall of Fame point guard, Scooney Penn, one, two, one, two, joining us. Um, the last time that uh, Scooney Penn went to a regional site, it was with, I, I don't, I'm sure you've been to one since, but it was with me in Boston. And uh, mm -hmm. we, go to, we go to the rental car counter and uh, the guy, goes, hey man, it's Scooney. And all of a sudden you were upgraded from like a, a Chevy Nova to a Cadillac Escalade. Um, uh -huh. We didn't wait in line for a, a food the entire time we were there. We had the best seat in the house every time we wanted one. It, I'm assuming that Boise, Idaho is the same type of welcome wagon for you. Well, so far, uh, not that, but uh, <laughs> before we leave, I plan on having that kind of treatment before we leave. But no, Boise, Idaho is something different for me right now. This is the strangest thing of the NCAA, isn't it, Schoon? Like, here you are. You guys are you're sitting in your house on Sunday. You probably thought you were going to be a mm -hmm. five seed. You know how the NCAA works. Yeah. Uh -huh. But then all of a sudden, we end up, you're in Boise playing South Dakota well, State, man. I mean, like, this is, a, this, is, this is the madness of March. It really is. But um, we had an idea that this would happen. We knew it was going to be San Diego or Boise. Did One you? of the two was flip a coin. Yeah. Um, so we prepared for it. You know, it has its pros and its cons. 
of course, we'd like to be in San Diego in the sun, and I think I would have <laughs> might have snuck in around the Gulf in a couple of days. Uh, but, hey, listen, never been to Idaho before. I don't think any of us have. So, you know, in all the places I've been in my life, you know, this is the place to experience something different. And, uh, you know, we get away, we get the focus, and, um, you know, we, we have a job to do. You know, we didn't come here just to say we're in the tournament. We came here to win games. I think that's one of the things I wanted to ask about then, because you're like you're about two thousand miles away from Columbus. You you drop into Boise, which is you know like you said a place you guys never been to. What? How do you prepare for that? How do you mentally get ready to just take care of business almost immediately as soon as you get there? Well, we already been preparing for it. You know that week off of not playing games, we were preparing for the NCAA tournament. Um, you know we've been pre- we've been prepped for it. You know all the work we've been doing all year. This is what it comes down to. So it wasn't hard. You know you find out who you play, where you play. You know, you do your scouting on them, and you and you roll a ball out, and you play ball. You know, this is this is what it comes down to here. Um, this previous four months of of practice and competing, it all leads up for now. And uh, you know, I think our guys are ready. Scoon, how this, this? So many things were weird about that. I mean, the Big Ten decided they were going to play at MSG, which is yeah, it's a great arena. You've had great success there, certainly during your time at Boston College. Um, but but because of that, you had to play a week earlier, and now you guys haven't played in in two weeks, man. I mean, how how have, how have you guys in the coaching staff tried to keep this team sharp? Well, coach did a great job putting together a plan throughout that week. We had a couple days practice a day off, a couple days practice a day off. We did some stuff. We in a squad scrimmage. We had referees. We did a lot of game situational stuff. So we try to keep the guys as fresh as possible in game-like situations. It also gave us time to get rested. You know, it's a long season. Usually you just have to go right into playing a tournament game. So, you know, gave our guys a little bit more time to get rested, uh, to get better, for us to get better as a team, some time for guys to work on things individually. So, you know, we'll see how it works out for us. But we thought that we handled it well, and it, and it might be a good thing for us. I, I I I agree. I mean, I don't think it's a good thing if you're the University of Michigan. You're trying to win. You know, you exactly. have a feeling. You know, because they're so hot. Mm-hmm. But Schoon, I mean, I'm watching because of you know the situation you guys are in as a staff. Um, the amount of minutes Rita and Jay Sean specifically played, and the amount of yep. games you guys played in the second half. To me, I kind of think that maybe, odd as it seems, maybe this is a blessing in disguise for you guys to get those guys a little bit of rest. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And that's what I felt like. Listen, we, you know, it, it, we had a tough end of the season. You know, we had some really tough road games, and then we dropped another one at Penn State in the tournament. But like you said, for a team like Michigan who's on a roll, like you don't want another week and a half, two weeks without a game. So for us, it's a little different. You know, we got a couple older guys that played a lot. They had a lot to carry in their shoulders. So having that extra time off for us, I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Well, I think one of the things, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit uh, before we talked to you, but, you know, you've got a guy like Mike Dom, for example, is a big guy, what, 256.9. Is it, it, when you're playing a game like that, the kind of physicality that comes into play, do you guys, like, have to ramp up that during practices, or is it just something where I think everybody accepts that it's like, this is the tournament, people are going to be banging around, it's going to be rough? Yeah, no, you just just expect it. No, think about our schedule. we're not worried about playing this guy here at South Dakota, although he's a good player, right. uh, big body. But listen, when you play in the Big Ten and you play teams from the ACC um, in the Big East, like you're not worried about that. It's a little different for us for the high major teams when you play the mid-major, low-major teams. Like it, you know, so for us, it's, they're not going to throw anything at us that we haven't seen before. Although he's a really good player, he has a unique skill set. Um, you know, we, we game plan for him. We got to continue to do some more, and uh, I think we'll be ready when the time comes.
Scoon, he, remind, he reminds me of like one of those guys that you look at in the gym, like old man basketball, and you think, well, this guy can't play. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you go and you yep. go, holy hell, look at this guy's game. I mean, this high release. Yeah. I'm watching this video of him. It's like, boy, at 6'9", 250 with that body, that girth. And then the he kind of has that. You know, I heard I heard coach talk, you know, say the Larry Bird stuff. And before I watched some film on him, I thought, okay, yeah, I get it. Larry Bird. That makes okay, white guy, Larry Bird. Let's do the comparisons. But then I watched the I mean he's not obviously in the vicinity. Yeah, Larry Bird. I know what you're saying. But but but, but from but the, the way he shoots, Schoon, the two-handed high release, it's it's kind of a cra- he's a crafty player. Really crafty. That's why he's an NBA prospect. Um one of the one of the tougher matches we had all season. So we said the same thing. You look at everyone said that if you watch this guy warm up, you're like, man, are you serious? Then he right. gets out there and you look at the scoreboard and he has 28 points on you. Yep. So we're not taking it lightly. We're definitely not looking at his appearance and take him as a joke. Um, you know, and they have other guys that can play. They got some guards that can go. They have a bunch of guys that can shoot. So it's no cakewalk. He's not their only player. And, and, and you know, the 5-12 matchup is a tough one usually. And uh, we have our work cut out for us. So in the first couple of games, and you've got you know South Dakota State, you got Gonzaga. These are teams that can really score. How do you counter that, especially when you've got some situations where you know maybe Ohio State, like you guys, kind of start a little bit slow sometimes in some of these games? How do you make sure you stay in it with a team that can maybe shoot the lights out, especially from you well, know, like our position and so on? Well, we got to d up. We can't let them shoot the lights out. That's it. Uh, we're we're going to hang our hat on defense, and that's it. That's it. And then again, there's teams that they have to play against us. They're not used to playing Kata. Right. Who, you know, team's going to have to match up, match up with a Cater, have to match up with a physical JT at the 3 4 spot. So we have, we're matchup prop for people on the other end as well. But again, we're going to hang our hat on defense and then hopefully team will get up to us, us fast out on us. Scoon, let me ask you a Big Ten question in, at large. I, you know, just four ten, teams from the Big Ten in. I, I can't recall mm-hmm. uh, a team yeah. in a Power Five conference that went 13 and 5 that didn't get into the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. I mean, the idea, and I know Nebraska's non-conference, I get it, but they played Kansas to the wire. Uh, yep. They went 13-5 and five in the Big Ten, Schoon. I cannot remember a 13-5 and five power conference team being left out of the tournament. I can't recall it. No, it, it's never happened. If you recall a couple years ago, what was it, Ohio State had 11 wins and didn't make it, and that was the most ever for a Big Ten team. Now right. 13 is, is more, but here's the thing, because – they did not play us twice. They didn't play Purdue twice. They didn't play Michigan State twice. So the upper echelon, they only got a chance to play one time. It was all on the road. Had yeah. they played a couple of us at home, they might have had a better shot. It helps their RPI and everything else. But that hurts when you win 13 in your conference and you get left out. Um, that, that, that's what hurt them. It wasn't yeah, they don't control that. that. They, they don't, don't control, control it, right? but, it but, but this year you it know? didn't fall into their favor, and the committee yeah. didn't. Crazy. You know, take that into consideration. They won 13 games, and now they're in the NIT. Let me ask you one more real quick about the Big Ten before mm-hmm. Johnny gets circles back to your team. Uh, I cannot – Jay Billis said this on the selection show, and I couldn't agree with him more. I cannot find a metric in the world that, that substantiates Michigan State being the ninth best team in the country. How Michigan State Crazy. is a three-seed, Scooney. I mean, you guys you guys whipped them. But, I mean, that, that team is 29-4, and four, and they can cut down the nets. In San Antonio, yep. and they're a three seed. I it felt like the Big Ten got a little bit got a little shafted a little bit with some of this. Definitely, definitely, one hundred percent. The Big Ten got shafted, and that's why they ended up a three. But that kind of stinks for everyone else because that's bulletin board for Michigan State, and you know how Tom Izzo is. Yeah. They're definitely not the ninth best team. They're a top four team in the country, and they got seeded low, um, which is tough. But I'm sure that they they're going to put that in perspective, and they're going to go out and do their job. 
Um, you know, one of the, I think the best stories from the season is, is not just the success that, you know, you guys have had uh, over overall, but just the fact that guys like Kata Bates-Diop and Jayshon Tate, they're able to get to the NCAA tournament to go back and, and really make kind of an impact here. Ha- are they, I mean, I'm sure they're like super excited about it. I'm sure this is a big deal for them, but what does that mean to the team for leadership like that to be able to finally kind of make their mark? I mean, it means a lot. I mean, our guys wanted to send these guys out on a good, on a, you know, on a high note, and they did as well. Um, because when they went as freshmen, they didn't play that much, didn't have that much of an impact. So here's a chance for them to do that. So the team I know is very excited. You know, those guys are excited, you know, to leave their mark on this program. Um, but it's been awesome because at the beginning, no one really thought that. But uh, to have these young men go out, you know, Cam, Kata, you know, JT, you know, have these guys playing the NCAA tournament is, is just fabulous for our program and for those young men. Schoon, I know you got to eat, and I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, I, I, it can't possibly be correct that I saw a young man for Dublin Coughlin cutting down nets after scoring yeah. 30. Is that right? I mean, I, there was a little yeah. kid named Penn who used to run around the studio. He was just a little yeah. dude. Is it possible that, that he won a title and cut down nets and dropped 30? Yeah, he got more work to do. You know what Dad says. <laughs> you won't give him it. <laughs> you won't give him it, will you? No, he played. He played. He played well. He played one of the best games I've seen him play. He was definitely the best player on the court. He was the best player in the gym that whole day that I stepped in there. Um, but he has a tough one Thursday. He's trying to get all the way, and uh, you know I'll be missing him. I'll miss the game. But this it's it's, it's happened exactly like I wanted to. I'm playing. We're playing here, and he's still playing, and that's the way I want it. It's, I just wanted – I mean, you've done – I just know how much you worked with him. And he's put in the mm-hmm. work. Like the kid – I yeah. remember him begging you to take him to the gym. Like you, you would come yeah. do radio with me, and then you'd go to the Nothing gym. Nothing's changed. Before, Nothing's changed. <laughs> all still the same. Yeah, it's good, man. Yeah. You're, it's, you're, you're a great man. You're a great coach and a great father. It's, it's fun to see it all rewarded, my friend. Enjoy Idaho. Boise's a good town. I think you'll enjoy yourself. Yeah, my, well, we're going to see. We will see. <laughs> <laughs> I think, see. That's all I gotta say. We'll get yourself see. an Idaho steak. You get you do a little steak. You'll be all right, buddy. Yeah, it's getting cold right now. All right, enjoy so it. See you, Scoon. Thanks, bud. Take care. That was great, Scoony Pen joining us. Uh, boots on the ground. I mean, we get yeah. Talk about correspondence, Ginter. I mean, that's a pretty good correspondent. We got uh, a Hall of Fame correspondent there with us. So uh, we thank Scoony for the time and uh, and obviously a great great friend of the program. All right, before we uh, coming up next, it's Ask Us Anything time. But before we do that, we do encourage you to rate and subscribe uh, to the Eleven Dubcast on Twitter, iTunes, um, wherever you get your uh, your podcast. Please do so. Uh, we would appreciate it. All right, my friend, we have uh, Ask Us Anything time. It's uh, that time of the show where we're where we're wrapping things up uh would you have anything for us this week <laughs> i do and we we've got actually by the way you guys can ask us anything at 11 dubcast on twitter or dubcast 11 warriors.com via email we got roasted by a couple guys here because we were talking about um we were talking about ohio state big 10 basketball alum right last week and mm-hmm. we we missed the guy we we talked about draymond okay. green and we did not talk about mike conley and yeah. People are people are a little angry. They're a little upset. So, so you our don't think Dave, that Mike Conley's a better player than Draymond Green, though? Do you? I don't know. I don't think I, our followers. I mean, I know that like he's a Buckeye and he's great, but I mean, he's not. I don't. I don't know I that he's on that level. Be, I think you could make an argument. I think an argument could be made. I'd have to look at their stats, see what the advanced stats say on that a little bit. I think you could make an argument though, because um, he's. Yeah. I mean, he's legit. I mean, he's. No, he's good. He's had a really good career. He means yeah. a ton to Memphis. He means a ton to the city of Memphis. He's an ambassador oh, yeah. to 
to the city of Memphis. I mean, Memphis, they're paying him $200 million uh, over the course of his contract. Um, he is an important, certainly, and he's really, he's the best Buckeye NBA player, um, boy, since Mike Red. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I think that's, I think that's fair. You know, so it's, you know, the, the thing about, you know, for basketball people, the thing that is tricky about, I mean, Mike, Mike Connolly's a career 14 point type guy. Uh, what is he? 14 points, six assists. I mean, that's kind of his career stats. Um, yeah. NBA all-star games. I don't know how many he's played in those a couple, maybe. Um, whereas, and, and Draymond Green, the problem with Draymond is you can't do the stats thing with him because right. of where he plays. It, yeah. He's so, not being asked to do know, nearly the same kind of thing. Yeah. I, I'm trying to see if Mike Connolly was, has ever made an all-star team. Um, he has to, right? I don't see it anywhere. I'm on basketball huh. reference. I don't see him. Um, he was an all league, second team, all league, uh, guy in, in 2012, 2013, but I don't see an NBA all-star list anywhere. It doesn't mean that he's not. I, I, I feel, look, I love Mike Connolly, but you know, I'll take off the scarlet and gray glasses and I'll, I would say that Draymond Green's the best big 10 pro. You know what? That's I think yeah, I'm looking to. I think that's a fair. I think you're right. I think that's a fair thing to say. I mean, Mike Conley's awesome dude, but I would agree with you. I think overall, if you look at the stats, you look at the career. I think you've got a point. Yeah, I, I, and it's no. I don't take any pride in it. <laughs> you know, I don't particularly <laughs> like Draymond Green, um, but you know, it is what it is. Right. Uh, okay. Well, this one's from Alvin. This is our good friend Alvin. He uh, wants to know. This is shifting tracks a little bit. What is the best, scariest slash most interesting? Uh, internet rabbit hole you found and how did you get there oh my god i had a guy <laughs> i had a guy uh a guy I enjoyed going back and forth with on twitter i can't remember his name yeah but i um this was he sent me down a jfk rabbit hole <laughs> that took up the better part of i would say like three hours yeah and I had kids, so three hours is hard to, you know. <laughs> that's that's quality time. time. That's, yeah, that's I mean, that's goal. a lot of time, you know, to Precious. give three hours to something. I don't, I mean, I, that's why I don't watch movies. I can do an hour on a TV show, but I can't do a movie. But I went down a JFK conspiracy theory rabbit hole that was nuts. I mean, it was batshit crazy. I, couldn't, I don't even know how. <laughs> I don't know. And, and it's been about five, six, five, four or five years since I went, since this happened. But, and I just thought of it when you brought it up with the question, but um, I can't even remember if I drew a conclusion from it, to be honest. <laughs> like, I don't remember having a strong opinion about it one way or another, but the right. sheer amount of information uh, was just an incredible shock to the system. And uh, maybe I'll go back down that rabbit hole again. I remember getting an email that was about it, it had like 50 links from this guy. <laughs> and I just started following these links that led to places. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. I, so, all right. So I'm, it's interesting you say that because I'm teaching a, a class at my school uh, about conspiracy theories. And oh, so um, right there you go. Yeah, no, we talk about the Kennedy assassination, all the conspiracy theories surrounding it and whatnot. And, you know, I'm a history teacher, so I relate it back to history, but it, we, I try to dissect the various whys and wherefores and, and the YouTube stuff. Like if you start on that, I honestly feel like that's, that's the real conspiracy that it's just going to suck you in and, and make you think like, this is the reality now. And you're just going to live on YouTube for the rest of your life. 
yeah. they've got some crazy stuff on there. Actually, my favorite YouTube uh, conspiracy video is this thing called the Rainbow Sprinkler Conspiracy, where a uh, a woman in California is filming her her sprinkler in her backyard, and she sees a rainbow in it, and she's convinced that the government has put, uh, in her words, quote, metallicized salts in the water supply that have caused a rainbow okay. to appear in her sprinkler. And she says that we all know this isn't natural. It didn't happen 20 years ago. This is the government uh, doing this to us. So that one's fun. But I actually thought of this when I saw this question, there's something called cicada three, three, zero one, which is a um, it's this internet organization that has released a series of like these insane logic puzzles. And it's like this, like you've got to dissect, images you have to look at their like coding and the jpeg all this crap i don't know i'm not smart to figure this out but they've issued these really weird um circuitous difficult puzzles for the past like eight or nine years something like that and it, one puzzle leads to another puzzle leads to another puzzle and they're these unbelievably difficult puzzles and nobody really knows who the organization is that has released them. Nobody really knows why they released them. They don't have like a website or anything like that. Apparently <laughs> it's just this really creepy thing that nobody knows what it's really for. And uh, I think about that, but on the other hand, I'm not smart enough to figure any of it out. So I just kind of leave at it. You know, <laughs> it pops yeah. up in my mind. I'm like, ah, oh, that's just something I'll never have to worry about. Right. So, but it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting. Yes, it is. It is. Um, Okay, so we've got another one here. This is from uh, Tobin, and he's got kind of a long one here. I just want to dissect it a little bit, though. He says, uh, you guys have hinted at it, and I may even sense some disagreement between the two of you. So he's trying to foster a fight between the two of us. Oh, fun. Uh, <laughs> But he would really love to hear our own take on Urban Meyer's offense, what it's been, and what it might be this season, and what it should be. Well, um, what, what, it's, what it's been at its best is Urban Meyer's offense accentuated by Tom Herman's ability to call plays at a rapid rate. That's what it's mm -hmm. been at its best. What it's been lately is a, uh, a decent facsimile of that, got getting better. <laughs> um, what it should be going forward is the best offense to take advantage of the quarterback whom he chooses skill set okay. and not to force the quarterback uh, a round peg, a, a square peg into a round hole. So that that's what it should be. Urban Meyer has to adapt. I think he knows that. I think we all kind of think Dwayne Haskins is going to be the quarterback. And if he is, you cannot run the offense that they've ran since Urban's been here with Dwayne Haskins and expect it to change. If you run the offense you ran in the three games that led you to the national championship with Cardell Jones as a the quarterback, then Dwayne Haskins is going to have a great career. If you don't, you're going to see Tate Martell, I think, pretty quick. So I think my only disagreement with that is um... – not necessarily. So I agree with the idea that you've got to change the quarterback or the, the excuse me, to the, the offense, to the personnel that you have. But I actually don't think this season the quarterback is the person you want to run it around. I, th I think this needs to be a running centered offense for 2018. I think they need to realize that that is where their greatest proven talent is. And I think it needs to be a run first offense. And okay, I, I think but, but then but what but that's fine. But you can do that without putting the quarterback in read option. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, and, and I don't think they should. I'm not saying that you become a chuck it down the field offense. I'm right. saying that that they need to run the ball downhill. Yes. With this kid. I mean, and, and don't and put him in, read, you know, and that's, that's the speed thing. option, you know? Right. Yeah. I think tempo is a big part of it. I think they have to go faster than they have. I, if you look at some of the stats, they 
in the first, you know, three years that I think two or three years that Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, they ran the ball something like 65% of the time, like 60 to 65%. And that has become much, much more moderated, like almost like a 55-45 in the last like two or three years. I think that's a problem. I think you need to be a run first team with this type of offense because I think it makes it harder for the other teams to kind of, your, you know, the defenses that are facing you to kind of deal with that constant physical pressure that you're putting on them, especially with the kind of offensive lines that they put out. So I, I just think, I mean, and you're right. They got to run downhill. They've got to do that. And I don't know that they need to do like the read option stuff, but it does depend on the quarterback, obviously. Um, but I just think they have to be a run first team. I, I liked the way the offense looked like when they had Carlos Hyde and granted they also had Braxton Miller, which you're not going to have. Um, but it, I just think they need to go back to thinking run first. And I think that changes the dynamic of the passing game in a positive way. So that's, look, that's look how, how you I feel about that. When Cardale Jones is the quarterback. Yeah. And even that's that, it. right. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. yeah so it's, you know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah well and you can get like you're talking about a reasonable facsimile well maybe Dwayne Haskins is that guy who can evolve into that yeah um so and and I think he's the move I you know I I not nothing against Joe Burrow who I think is really good and would start any number of other places or Tate Martell who is a great athlete but I I think Haskins is a necessary change to the quarterbacking position Ohio State to affect other changes down the line on the offensive side of the ball so We'll see if that happens. I mean, it, it's it's all about whether or not they actually want to pull the trigger on making that radical of a change in what they've been doing the past two or three years. You say uh, radical, though, John. Like, think about it. Like, they switched it from JT to Cardell in a week. Yeah, but badly. I mean, you know, like no, 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 like no, 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 no. I'm talking oh, you're about like in that run. Yeah, okay, we're well, right. 2014 yeah. playoff. Right. I'm talking about the Big Ten championship game, the national semifinal, the national championship. I mean, they switched. All it was was play calling adjustments. You can run the same offense out of the same sets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the way you call the plays. And what was right. so strange and so such a disservice to those guys is what happened in 2015 where they were trying to force Cardell to be something he wasn't instead of yeah. taking advantage of his strengths. Right. Right. And that's what yeah. I'm, and, that, so. and maybe that's really what it boils down to, making sure that you're taking advantage of the strengths of the personnel that you have. Yeah. Um, and in, like I said, tempo is the other thing. You got to make sure it's fast because Absolutely. that's yeah. a huge big part of it as well. Okay, so the next question that we have here, this is from uh, this is from Matt, and he wants to know how you feel. Just based about fans and jerseys, are you cool with Nike gouging people for 150 bucks every <laughs> fall a couple of times? You know, <laughs> well, they do it because you buy them. So, um, <laughs> right. yeah, I, no, I know. you know, that's that's why they do them because they make money. That's what Nike's business is, is to make money. I um, it was a shock to me when I moved here. I will acknowledge um, where I grew up, adults didn't wear jerseys. And in the south where I was before I came here, you didn't see much of it. Very little. Um, but when I came to Ohio and not just Ohio State, but the Midwest in general, I mean, this is a jersey culture. I mean, it's not just Ohio <laughs> State. I mean, it's you go to an Indianapolis Colts game and you will see a sea of Colts jerseys. And uh, the same thing is true in Cleveland and other places. So, look, it's what you all do here. I mean, it's it's part of your part of your DNA to wear the jerseys to games. And and so, I, you know, I'm not going to it's not for me, but all each to their own. And, and God bless you. Yeah, I'm not dropping 150 bucks on a jersey, and I'm certainly not going to drop 80 bucks on an insult of a jersey, which is just basically the T-shirt with you know a, a variation of the jersey on it. Um, but I will go to Kohl's and buy a $40 jersey, which I have done and I do have, and I'm, I'm you know I like it. You know, people kind of give people crap about it from the Midwest and then say like, "What do you think? You're called in the game? Like, you know, what are you going to do there?" But <laughs> 
you know, it, the proletariat's got a uniform and they're allowed to wear it. And I, I support them and, and I'll yeah. wear it at the game. So it, it's not something that I have to have, but it's just kind of a cool way to support the team. And also to maybe show how long you've been rooting. I've got a uh, Columbus Blue Jackets jersey with a really old, crappy original one. And okay. uh, yeah, I'll wear those to games just to, to let people know that I've been there for a while. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, last one here, and this is this is right up here. This is two questions. This is from Connor. First one real quick. What should be the dr- his drink of choice on a Caribbean cruise next week, which I have never been on, uh, so I don't know if that I can give any yeah. insight to that. And then the other one, what other team besides Ohio State are you going to be rooting for in the bracket? All right, so everybody is going to, uh, on the Caribbean cruise, everyone's going to want to do pina coladas, and they're going to want drinks with umbrellas, and they're going to want, yeah, um, yeah. you know, those type of things. Here's what you need to order. You need to order a dark and stormy. Ooh, okay. Now, what a dark and stormy is, is it's a highball glass. Uh, it's dark rum. Typically, they'll use goslings. So the, the, this, you'll definitely get this on the cruise, and um, it's a it's a big Caribbean drink, and it's it's actually great in this. It's a great summer drink. So it's a highball glass of ice. It's dark rum. It's ginger beer. It's um, uh, lime. It's a lime, and then lime around the rim of the glass. I might be missing one ingredient, but it's really refreshing. And pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, <laughs> who, who, who I'll be rooting for in the tournament other than Ohio State would be Kansas because I, as a kid, I always liked Kansas, and um, you know they're just so snake bit. So I, it'll be Kansas. Oh, yeah. yeah, that that is that is very true. Um, you know what? So I'll tell you what, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a cruise drink suggestion. Um, I don't know if they'll have it, especially in the Caribbean, but this is something that I drank a lot when I was in. Uh, in japan and japan man i lived like i told you guys i lived in the florida of japan basically the florida panhandle of japan is where i lived and it was hot and muggy and disgusting whenever i wanted to like cool off and have a nice refreshing drink it's not alcoholic but it's it's a uh, japanese lemonade soda called cc lemon with about 60 Jeez. grams of sugar got about 60 grams of sugar per bottle and i loved it it was delicious um, sounds like a win yeah i'm all about that and my second <laughs> Well, I gotta tell you some for the uh, for the tournament at least. My second rooting interest is the same that it always is, which is the University of Cincinnati. Um, as <laughs> when they won that when they won that uh, that nail biter over Houston, as uh, I forget who the announcer on that game was, but the the Bearcats, as yeah. he put it. So I'm all about the Bearcats. That's good. And uh, I want Mick Cronin. He's a local guy. I want him to get some. I want him to get some love in the NCAA. I want him to make a run. Yeah. I think that'd be great. So that's my rooting yeah. interest. Yeah, that's, either uh, of the Cincinnati schools, I think it'd be fun. I mean, that'd oh, be cool. Xavier. Well, you know, Xavier. I know they're, they're the snooty, hoity toity guys, but right. I still want them to be successful. They're they've had some success. I want to see Cincinnati get back into it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and that's that's it. That's ask us anything. Thanks for sending those in, guys. Those are great. Yeah, thank you for sending them in. Uh, We thank Scooney Penn for taking the time. We thank you for listening. We'll talk next week, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. See you next week.